You all are rock solid. <laughs> I love that. The Reverend Marta Valentin preached a sermon this summer at General Assembly in Spokane, Washington, that everyone needs to hear. It's titled, It Is Time Now. And in it, she speaks of what it means to be part of Unitarian Universalism in a time when the denomination is coming to grips with some of its worst habits of marginalization. She speaks of what, it, what is needed to transform our faith into a faith that we say we aspire to. At the same time, she boldly reassures those who have experienced marginalization within our faith that it belongs to us that it belongs to us too, and that the time to declare this to the world is now. She speaks of a delicate turning, that is the slow, painful, but deliberate process of unwinding the patterns of harm that continue to appear within our congregations. It is a movement toward change that some experience as a permanent disruption, but that others experience as sweet relief. It is hard. From her sermon, she says, in this delicate turning, let us remember that before anything, ante todos somos seres humanos, we are human beings who have chosen to travel together, to make a new, more just world together. We must continue to choose each other as companions if we are to accompany one another. Reverend Valentin's words are a reminder that this thing we call faith cannot be stagnant or complacent. It must continue to reinvent itself and re-invite us into relationship. It must be a faith that is also led from the margins, particularly by youth toward a future that we have yet to even imagine. I strongly encourage you to listen to or read this sermon, and I've included resources outside of the parlor for you to uh, be able to do so. This is a grand and a glorious aspiration, and I'm always inspired and thrilled by Reverend Valentine's ideas and passion, especially her passion for building the beloved community it is a humbling honor to share fellowship with her. And I lift up these words this morning because we return today to this place and there is so much for us to do. It's daunting. We come back to where we started to begin again a journey through a church year that will surely bring challenges and joys, insights and laughter and yes, change. But before we get to work, I want us to consider why do we come back? What is it that draws us to this place and not to some other place? Why do we occupy our Sunday morning here when we could be sleeping or brunching or pretty much anything else? Why, in a world where there seems to be constant and cataclysmic change on a minute-by-minute -minute basis, would we come here where there is yet more movement, even this delicate turning that Reverend Valentine speaks of 
Uh, there's a fly up here. <laughs> Go away, you. Behave. <laughs> Remember that from the last life? Ah, oh, man. <laughs> it's absolutely fascinated with me. Wants to participate. It's amazing. I, maybe it's something in my hair. Maybe it's what I'm talking about. Maybe this fly also has the idea of what I was about to say, which is maybe it's the word home. Maybe the fly, like you, are home. Now, I told you the other week about going to visit my dad in Maryland. And this is something I try to do on a regular basis, every six weeks or so. It does mean a lot of driving. It's hard on my body, it's hard on my dog, uh, it's a lot of time to invest. But he's the only father I've got, so I do the trip. But embedded in my reason for doing it is something that emerges when I talk about going to see him. Quite often, I will casually refer to my trips as going home without realizing it. Now, I've never lived in Maryland, nor did I grow up there. My only connection to that place is that this is where my dad has lived for the last 10 years. I moved him and my mother there so they would have some place that was safe, affordable, and secure. And there have been big changes in those 10 years along the way. The biggest being that my mother passed away in 2012. Each trip, I see physical and cognitive changes in my dad, the usual ones that go along with aging. He's lost other friends and companions. The management of the building has completely changed. There are different rules, new paint, new neighbors. But I also have to consider how I have changed. Today, I'm the minister of a church, but when he moved into this apartment, I had been unemployed for five months, and I was about to start working for Disney. <laughs> Through the next 10 years, I had a wellness business, I moved across country twice, I earned an MDiv, and I acquired a dog. I have changed probably more dramatically than he has, yet, I can still call going to visit him going home. Probably because through all the change in me and in him and in our worlds, we share a relationship of father and son. There is a bond of love that will always transcend any kind of change, including death. And I wonder if that's why we come back to this place back to this place where we started, why we call this homecoming. There is something constant here that we need, that we yearn for, something in the relationship, something that we share that is foundational to how we relate to the world and each other. Each of you has changed. I see young people who have grown like weeds, elders who have slowed and mellowed, babies that are, have been born or are about to be born. We have changed individually in dramatic ways. It's built into being human. 
There are physical changes in our space as well, new use for the chapel as a nursery, new rooms for meditation and meeting. Today, we'll even hear about incredible plans to restore the bell tower and renovate the front of the church so, so that it is accessible to all. Huge change. Our programs are also changing. New religious education teachers with new gifts to share. Adult religious education. New volunteer opportunities. Beloved Conversations is doing work transforming the congregation from within our hearts. There's new music, new musicians. Jonathan is wondering how and where he's going to put the new choir members. I mean, that's a great problem to have. And he's already thinking of new ways to utilize all of these new singers. I'm even considering a praise-style worship service on December 1st for a International AIDS Day. We will have before long a new hire on the staff as well who will allow us to connect with each other in better and more efficient ways. And we even have a new database system, Breeze. <laughs> Says it all, doesn't it? <laughs> Social justice is changing and making changes in our world. Our direct engagement through Greater Boston Interfaith Organization in the statewide work for improvements in access to pre prescription medications and care of all kinds. Our direct involvement with what it means for Cambridge to be a sanctuary city. The change is ongoing and often overwhelming. And still, we come home. Although we are in a perpetual state of change, although our world is in a regular state of change, we come here to find something stable, something reassuring and something constant. What we find here is not the stuff that makes this place, no. It is not an order of worship, nor is it even the hymns that we sing. One could even argue that it is not even the people. What makes this place home, what makes it the place we come back to, is the way we are with each other, how we hold each other, how we care for each other. Home is knowing each other's stories well enough to know when someone faces a difficult anniversary of loss or separation. The place we come back to is the smile or special greeting we get from someone we spent time with in a covenant group. Home is the invitation we give to the newcomer who may be new in town. And that invitation might be to go out for coffee or come over for dinner just to get to know them. Home, the home that we come home to is a relationship it is a verb. Today's world is an avalanche of information. We live underneath a Niagara Falls of news. It is unsettling, and in a world where we are always changing and where our communities are always changing, where there is a steady stream of new faces in and around Cambridge, it can often feel like too much. What our work here in this community becomes is the work of being with each other authentically and fully. Our delicate turning in this community invites us to come back to where we started with new perspective, 
new commitment, and new goals, but with the same unbounded love that demands our constant tending and nurturing. Let me remind you, in covenant with one another and all we hold sacred, we answer the call of love, welcoming all people into the celebration of life, searching for truth and meaning and striving for justice and compassion to nourish and serve each other, our community and our world. However, this physical space changes. However, you personally change here or in your world. What matters most is when you come to this place, you can always be your whole you. Good, bad, ugly, indifferent. Here, you are respected. Even if you are new to this place, you are known. Just because you are, you are loved. You are home. May it be so. When I came to the congregation in the fall of 2017, we began including a ritual of pouring libations during homecoming. I brought this ritual to the community because it is something that speaks deeply to me and my Afro-Caribbean roots, and I bring it as a gift and as a connection to my personal ancestors and culture. But this is not intended to give you an authentic African experience. Rather, it is an invitation into the universal ritual of recognizing water as the stuff of life. There are far too many in this world who do not have access to water, and too often in the industrialized West, we take water for granted. So rather than bringing water from far-flung places around the globe, we will perform this ritual bringing ourselves from far-flung places around the globe, in society, in the scope of life, remembering how we are connected by water to each other and to our shared future. The words I offer are broad intentions to inspire the intentions in your heart at the end of each set of words, you are invited to affirm that intention by saying aloud the word, Ashe. Ashe is a Yoruba word generally defined as the power to make things happen, and also refers to the spiritual life force that flows through things, much like the Chinese concept of qi. Ashe can also be used as we use it today to express agreement, Saying ashe is a way of saying, so let it be, and is used by Orisha worshipers, that is the worshipers of Yoruba gods, in the way amen or amen would be used by Christians following prayer. Won't you say it with me? Ashe. ashe. You're good to go. You ready, Tony? 
We begin by pouring libations, asking first for blessings from all that is greater and more powerful than we are, however we each perceive the name and that power. In the presence of the power that allows us to be in this world by many names, each of us may call it the spirit of life, God, goddess, higher power, or the unnamed human awareness of being, we say, Ashe. For the directions west, north, east, south, the sky, the earth, and the center which dwells in each of us, we say, Ashe. For fire, earth, air, water, and the life that they all combine to make us, we say, Ashe. For the unbound energy of this planet to create life, its beings, and all birth and nurturing that is present in our existence, we say, Ashe. For bodies that are inherently worthy, whole in their unique ways, and transcendent and inclusive of gender, Vessels that allow us to celebrate our being through and with each other in this world, we say, Ashe. Next, we will pour, asking for blessings from our ancestors past and yet to come. In the presence of indigenous ancestors displaced from this land and other lands, discarded by progress, but not diminished in their relevance, or guidance and wisdom and importance in our journey, we say, Ashe. In the presence of all ancestors who came here in search of freedom, relief from persecution, holocaust, and for greater, safer life fortunes, we say, Ashe. In the presence of ancestors brought here against their will, indentured or enslaved in many ways, we say, In the presence of ancestors who died during the Middle Passage from Africa and the ongoing Ma'afa, we say, In the presence of ancestors who held power, who forged chains to keep others captive, who oppressed and reaped the benefits of these tragic actions, we say, For universal ancestors who resisted, for freedom fighters that stand for what was and is right, we say, For our personal ancestors, those who gave birth to us, nurtured us and taught us, we say, Ashe. And now we invite these final blessings. For the present moment and for the future generations who hold the promise of tomorrow, those who will come to this place and those who will go from this place and carry our blessings into the world, we say, Ashe. Lastly, to honor the way in which life is a circle in which every blessed life, no matter how long or short, points ultimately to death. And how every death is blessed by feeding and bringing new life again, we return to the presence of that which allows us to be in the world, our human awareness of being, spirit of life, God, goddess, higher power, we pour three final times, saying, Ashe, Ashe, Ashe. 
May everything we bring from our journeys, whether that journey be across an ocean, across a street, or across a room or sidewalk, be blessed by the guidance we receive from those who came before us and those who will follow. May we grow, may we live, may we complete the cycle. May it be so.